Hello, Mudbug, and welcome to Clay at Our Core, podcasting about pottery from the corner of Montgomery Road and Hudson Avenue in peace-loving Norwood, Ohio. I'm your clay pal, Ann Saker. Today in episode 80, I'm delighted to present a conversation with potter Leslie Hutchings Miller of Worcester, Massachusetts. She's also my friend from girlhood. More on that in a moment. First, a few studio notes. Do yourself a favor and get in to see Neighborhood Watch, the solo show by our own Alondra Beberos in the Mason Gallery through March 9th. Be sure, too, to stop in at the Mason Gallery store for that bit of beauty you never knew you needed. Tomorrow night's Clay Club features our own Sam Jane demonstrating how to make slip from your clay body to decorate pots. Clay Club starts in the studio at 6.15 Tuesday nights. It's free to observe, and if you'd like to participate, bring your tools and materials. Sam Jane is the hardest working potter in showbiz, Mudbug. He also is leading the cool three-week course on teapots starting March 9th. To sign up, head on over to coreclay.com or check out our social media accounts for more information. Leslie Hutchings Miller and I have known each other since her mother, Jacqueline Hutchings, was my sixth grade teacher at Windermere Elementary School in Upper Arlington, Ohio. Leslie and I had a reunion last month here in peace-loving Norwood because of the global minerals shortage. But I'll let her tell the story. Sorry for the annoying clicking at the beginning. That does stop after a minute. Leslie Hutchings Miller. OMG, I am so glad that you are in Cincinnati today. How are you? I am fantastic. I'm so grateful to be here. Me too. It's just been such a kick to see you again. Uh, so I wanted to get you on the podcast because uh, very happily, uh, as we have uh, rebuilt our long friendship over the years, uh, we've discovered that we each kind of fell into clay and we are just giggly with joy over our love of clay. So I wanted to ask you, first of all, like, tell me a little bit about yourself. I think I know a lot, but just probably I don't know a lot. So tell me a lot. Tell me about yourself. I'm older than you. Oh, not that much you are. No, not Um, that much. (laughs) Let's see. Um, I'm originally from Colorado, but when I was 10, we moved to Columbus, Ohio. And why was that? Well, that was because my dad had a new job and my mother had just graduated from college after having four kids. God bless. And she got a job in Central Ohio. And one of her first jobs was uh, teaching in uh, Grove City, actually, for two years. Grove City, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And then she started teaching in Upper Arlington and she ran into this sixth grader named Ann Saker. What? Uh, Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I did not go to the same school that my mother was teaching, and thank God. No. But in junior high, she was supposed to teach at my school, and I threw such a fit that she didn't. No kidding. She did not take the job. She stayed where she was. Wow. But anyway, so I came to Columbus, Ohio, basically got married, had kids, all those things. Bada bing, on you go. Right. Kids move off. Husband moves off. I get remarried, he gets a job in Worcester, Mass, and I have never been to Massachusetts in my life. I remember when you got when you called and said, I'm moving to Boston, and I said, said say what? what? <laughs> well, but what did we do before that? You and I reconnected because you'd we moved did. back. That's yeah. right. That's right, I did. And that was the great, you were so wonderful in reaching out, and that, was a, that made reentry uh, safe and, and good. 
Well, we all pay it forward. Play it forward, pay it forward. Yes. Yeah, one of those. Yes. Anyway, right. Exactly. So now you and Stephen are in Worcester, Mass. with your uh, magnificent dog, Coltrane. Yes, definitely Coltrane. There is a jazz connection, just so that you know that. Nobody right. has to guess. Right. We had it before Bosch had it. Okay. All right, just saying that. Good to know. His first cat was named Miles for Miles Davis. Uh, of course. So, of course. Yes. All right. So, uh, so you are now. You've been in Worcester. God, almost ten years now, right? Uh, yeah, we've been in Massachusetts for ten years. The okay. First five years we were in Mansfield, not to be confused with Mansfield, Ohio. Right. But Mansfield, Mass. And right. And we actually moved to a little place. It's called Northbridge, just outside of Worcester, Mass. Okay. So we were outside. All right. And I didn't know anybody. I didn't know a soul. Wow. And the kids weren't in school, so I wasn't meeting the neighbors or the other kids. Um, I wasn't going to church at the time. I couldn't meet anybody. And someone suggested, well, you ought to do some art. Well, I knew I wasn't very good at paint, but I do remember playing in the sandbox as a kid. Right. And just by hook or by crook, I called on a Wednesday at a place that I'd heard about. And they had one opening in a Thursday class. And I just showed up. I didn't know a soul. Wow. Didn't know anything about it. And it was the only time they ever ran that class on a Thursday. So it meant to be. The door opened and door you opened. walked through. And mm -hmm. Was there anything about pottery that kind of rang a bell with you? Or did you just think, this is an opportunity to meet people and uh, I'm going to do this? That's exactly what it was. I'm going to meet people. I'm going to do this. But... As it turned out, it was really serendipitous because I found out when I started to think about it, what were the things that I liked to do when I was little? And seriously, I was making mud pies, like a lot of us were, yeah. but I was making mud pies when all the other kids were off jumping rope, and I was still making mud pies. Okay. And uh, at one point, my dad gave me a magnet, and I took it to school, and I ran it through the sandbox, and believe it or not, there were iron filings in the sand. And so that occupied wow. me forever. So I would put the water in, I'd put the iron filings, I'd make all the little tectonic plates and strat. I know, I just total geeked out. And I, you know, come home covered in sand. And my mother was like, what have you been doing? Right. So, yeah, I just, I like to get messy. And it, uh, <laughs> you know, and this is the way to do it. Mm -hmm. So where was the studio that you, where you uh, began your journey? It actually is, it's called Worcester Center for Craft. And um, it is in Worcester, Mass. It is connected with Worcester State University. They um, actually started 150 years ago as wow. a way for the immigrants to be able to learn, earn a living because they would come in and they would come into that big Boston Harbor and they would have no skills or any of their skills. They didn't have the English language yet. And so this was a nonprofit that sprung up out of the good nature of the Worcester people to help these people learn the language and learn a craft. So it's not, it's primarily ceramics, but they did have a glass blowing uh, area, which right now is in hiatus until we can find another place to blow glass. Wow. Um, but they have painting, they have photography, they have, uh, uh, let's see, enamel work, metal work, all those things. And they have a studio space that they um, let artists come in and bring in work. And they have a little shop where they sell the things, not only that the resident assistants and the teachers make, but other potters throughout the United States. And there are some from Ohio in there because I always check. Now, don't ask me their names because I don't remember them. But, yeah. So. But that must be so exciting to walk into a building like that with a history like that, knowing that it, for 100 plus years, 
it was reaching out to people who needed an entry into it in their new home but they, instead of forcing them into a factory or something like that, you could learn a, an artwork and a way to make art. That's just so, seems so Massachusetts, I think. I think so, a little bit, you know, right coast. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, 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 the Boston, the Boston thing. That's great. So when was that, when did you take this first class? Oh, it was in 2019. Okay. In March. In March. So I'm going on my fifth year coming up here. Okay. Did I get that right? I, math is not my strong subject. Um, and uh, then, of course, COVID hit like within nine months or so. Right. And so I had to go home. And we were doing a lot of things over Zoom. We had a Facebook page that our director, Tom O'Malley, uh, had something that he called Tom at 10. And at Friday at 10 o'clock in the morning, it was free to anybody who was on Facebook. And um, I actually hooked up a friend who used to live down the street from us. Pete Williams was his name. And now he's in the UK and he could catch it a couple times. Wow. So it really spreads. Um, but he started doing that. And then, you know, I had some pottery peeps and we would just have a Facebook um, meeting that we would set up and we would throw at home or hand build at home but we would all be communicating while we were on. Facebook. Oh, interesting. In okay. So we had open studio, we had classes, things like that until COVID finally released some of its grab on us. Right. Back in the studio. You know, that it is fascinating to me how many studios and what they did to adapt to that condition, to allow people to continue creating. And uh, how, how do you, when you look back on the art you made in that time, do you have a feeling about it? Do you, does it remind you of something? Do you, did you give it all away because you didn't want to see it again? <laughs> I kept my earliest things because that's good advice. Everybody keep your first cup, just keep it so that you know where you've come from. Right. Um, but I think what I created more than anything in that time was a lot of reclaim <laughs> because things didn't turn out. I mean, right. I didn't have a wheel at home. I didn't want to have a wheel at home right. because I didn't really have the space. I didn't want to dedicate that space to that. But the hand building was something that I could just zone out and do. And it was a little more forgiving because For my sure. mind gets distracted as, well, you've known me a long time. So you know this about me. You know, it's little digressions everywhere. <laughs> but when you're pulling up on the wheel, you can't do that. Right. Or your pot has now become a flower pot or it's become a sculpture because it's not straight anymore. It's not round. But um, the hand building seemed to be a little bit more forgiving for me being distracted. So that's what I ended up doing most of COVID, mostly in brown clay. Um, and then I didn't like the glazes that we had to offer on the brown clay at the time. And so I switched to a white stoneware. Fascinating. Okay. And the reason that you and I have come, have uh, had this happy opportunity to see each other again, let's talk about that. How did that happen? <laughs> well, we've got these global shortages yeah. in uh, the supply chain for all of the clay. Different things are missing. I can't always get the chemicals right, but what is it? It's a Gersley, um, Gersley borate. borate and a bunch of other things. And it not only goes in your clay, but it goes, goes in your glazes and other things. And what seems to happen is we run out of them or there's a shortage or a mine you know, closes down because of economic situations and all of a sudden there's a shortage. Yeah. And what seems to happen, especially with the smaller studio people, um, which would be anybody under you know, like an industrial size, that uh, 
it's all taken by industry. Yeah. And so by the time we potters figure out a solution, the big industries have also figured it out and they have cornered the market on those yeah. things. So we're constantly in a, in a state of having to recreate the wheel literally and figuratively. And um, so that's why I'm here because I ran out of a clay that I love. Which is? Uh, okay, I'm going to get it wrong because it goes by two names. It's okay. Miller and it's also Laguna. Okay. So it's the, what, the Laguna 620. 620. And we would call it the Miller, I call it 580. Okay. So it has two names because I think Miller Pottery was in Ohio and Laguna Bot Miller or something like that. Sure, Byesville, Ohio. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, I was using that and then all of a sudden it was gone. And, thing, and the replacement that, of course, Laguna's had to come out with. And uh, it wasn't working for me. It was working for other people in the studio, some of them, but not all of them. Well, I did a deep dive. I do this about every couple of weeks, seeing if I could find this clay somewhere. And lo and behold, one night, what was it, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I see that it's at Core Clay. Oh, my God. I know somebody at Core Clay. In peace-loving Norwood, Ohio. I know. <laughs> and, and the beautiful thing was it was like a weekend, and I can't call them because, you know, there's nobody there. But I have Anne. <laughs> I have her contact information. And so I sent her a text and she says, oh, I'll check tomorrow when I'm in. And I got a phone call while I was at my studio and she said, we've got it. How much do you want? This is what we've got. And so what I've done is I've thrown three suitcases in my car and driven to Columbus, Ohio to see some people that I know from when I lived there. And today I've driven down here yeah. to see Anne. I got a great tour. Oh, this place is awesome. Yes, it is. And, Thank you. Uh, I had to buy some stuff, but you know, you have to do that, right? <laughs> and um, I'm here and I am looking at this wonderful facility and I've got three suitcases with 50 pounds of clay in each suitcase and I'm going to bring it back to Worcester, Mass. Wow. So, Hail the conquering hero. Yes, absolutely. Wow. Have you, so have you told your other potter, pa potter peeps in Worcester, Mass that Not you have hit the jackpot with Not 620? Yet. Not wow. Yet. And I was waiting until I don't I know. It back and talk. Well, they might I'm not mug sure you. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love y'all, but you know, you know, there's a fine dividing line. We all pay it forward, thank you. Right. We pay it forward. Yeah, we do. Um, but, you know, I'm and I'm not sure people are starting to find other alternatives. But I had tried our alternative and I didn't want to throw with porcelain. I didn't want to hand build with porcelain just because I knew that was very difficult. Yeah. And I'm at a certain time in my life where I don't have another 30 years to perfect something. Boy, howdy, ain't that yeah. the truth. So something was working for me. I was really enjoying it. I was getting success. So until I run out of my 150 pounds of clay, yeah. this is what I'm going to be doing. Awesome. Very exciting about that. So. Do you have a vision in mind for what you want to do with this clay? Do you have a, do you have some some ideas? I do. I've just recently run across uh, a different situation that seem, people seem to like. Something that I'm doing with uh, four different colors of glaze on functional uh, formware. And so functional dishware. And what I'd like to do is replace everything in my kitchen with that, ah. um, that specific pattern. Oh, that's a cool, cool goal. Yeah. I love that idea. So, so far I've got two plates and two bowls and I'm going to work on some tumblers and that kind of thing, but I really enjoy the functional uh, pottery. Um, my heart, though, is with leaves and trees and sticks. That's what I love, but it's not what other people love. 
So yeah. I try to balance it with what I love and then also do things that other people like. Oh, isn't that, that's the fine line we're always walking, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. I, that's a great ambition to uh, flip over your, all of your, uh, your wares that way. Uh, so, Leslie, uh, before I set you free off in the world with your 150 pounds of 620, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you the Laura Davis question. And the Laura Davis okay. question here on the podcast is, what do you know now? about your pottery journey that you wish you had known when you gotten started? How much fun it is to buy tools. <laughs> I am a tool junkie and I could use another word, but I won't. Okay. Um, I never think, I never thought that I really enjoyed tools as much as I did. Finding the right tool for the right situation. Oh, yeah. And it goes back to my father who had every single tool ever. And wow. when he passed away, I wish I'd taken more of his tools. Right. Um, that's one thing. And, you know, I say that a little bit facetiously. What I really learned is just how big the community is. And the majority of people are very kind and very helpful. And they really do want to pay it forward. Yeah. And um, sometimes we women aren't as kind as we could be to others. And pottery draws, at least at my level more women than men, although probably not professionally. Um, but we're kinder to each other and more gentle than I've seen in other situations. And there's a group effort with the whole thing. Yes. You're working together to try to figure out why this glaze is not working. Or somebody says, I don't know how to do this. Do you know? Oh, I have a tool for that. Well, that's my thing. I have a tool for that. <laughs> um, or, you know, how did you get this glaze? And people will take the time to spend the time. Yeah. Very inclusive. Very much so. I think so. Very uh, great community and uh, really not a, I have yet to meet a real stinker. I got to tell you. I would agree. I think everybody is just lovely. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether that, do you think that's because clay draws people like that? Or do you think people like that get drawn to clay because of the tact, you know, the tactile experience? I mean, what do you, what do you think is going on there? Oh. Well, obviously, chicken or egg, you know, which came right, first. Right, true. But I think that pottery and ceramics, and I think of them as the same thing, um, it really draws somebody who's got a little bit of a left mind and a little bit of a right mind. It's, it's an interesting combination of somebody who can do detail and structure and really can be free form and artistic. And I think it probably does attract the, a certain type of person. Seekers. Yes. I think we're all seeking something. And learning. Yes. Lifelong learning. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I talk about this all the time that all the research shows that just doing the crossword puzzle or the Sudoku is not what protects your brain. What protects your brain is doing something that makes your brain say, ouch. Yes. Where you have to actually break out of your routine and your rut and train. And I think... Boy, you're constantly doing that with pottery, right? It is just a constant learning. Shrinkage. Constant yeah, learning. right. That's math. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Ouch. Yeah. That's hurt my brain. If Jackie Hutchings were here, and she'd be <laughs> shaking her finger at us about saying how much we hate math, but oh, she would. She would. But she'd be correcting her English too. Oh God, yes. Mm-hmm. God bless her. <laughs> we love you, Jackie, wherever you are. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Leslie, I am so happy to see you, you beautiful creature. Thank you so much for coming down to Norwood, Ohio. Hey, thank you for having me, and I am so grateful that we have reconnected. Me too. Now twice. Me so, too. We love it. Again. All right. So long.
Thank you, Leslie. I know that I can relate to being a tool junkie. It was so good to see you again. And best regards to the Worcester Center for Craft from all of us at Core Clay. I hope you enjoyed the two-part series of selling your pottery at market and found it helpful. If you're planning on participating in the Spring Pottery Fair, you can now mark April 7th on your calendar because that's when Potter Dennis Allen, a friend of the podcast, is hosting a free coaching session at his studio in Lebanon. The session is 2 p.m. April 7th at 1995 Wilmington Road. Dennis says everyone is welcome. Another reminder, Mudbug, to take the online class to refresh yourself on our studio cleanup practices. Scrape the tables, please. And that's it for episode 80 of Clay at Our Core, Mudbug. Next week, we talk with studio member Donita Parrish de Bono, a Cincinnati lawyer who works for the least among us. Donita talks about how her clay practice informs her legal practice. Until then, this is your clay pal, Ann Saker, hoping the kiln gods are smiling upon you. <laughs>